Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and joining me today is Greta Dare. Good evening. It is evening. <laughs> it is. Late night talks with Wesley Dees and Greta Dare. So, yeah, we are having to uh, to really squeeze this in at the, at the late hour. Things have just been so crazy lately uh, with schedules and things that are going on. We've got our first SHI Summit of 2019 that happens tomorrow or today when this podcast comes out. But I'm actually in Cocoa Beach, Florida, getting ready for uh, we did a so jealous. Site. Nah, I know you are. We did our site visit today, um, second site visit today at Kennedy Space Center to <laughs> make sure all that stuff was taken care of and getting everything ready. So excited about that. And unfortunately, Greta couldn't join the team on this one. So <laughs> As I weep into my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was anybody more excited about this one? Because I, I feel like it's empirically false that anybody was more excited than this, more than me. <laughs> More than you. I, yeah. I mean, you're such of a nerd. When it comes <laughs> to this kind of stuff. Wow. All right. So, you know what? I'll take that. It's a badge. That's a badge of honor, sir. Carry on. <laughs> um, no, but, but really excited about that. We've, um, uh, you know, the team's been here today getting ready for that. Super excited. And we've got another one right around the corner in just another month in Cincinnati. So if you haven't registered yet, make sure you go and register. Go get it done. It's It's been pretty exciting. Really, really excited about where we've come since October, especially the market analysis that we do with Axiometrics and Grace Hill has helped put together that learning module. Uh, we've actually got it down to about two hours now and super excited to, to go through that and continue to work on that through this through this series of summits and then who knows what we're going to do next. I'm pushing for budgets, but we'll see what happens. You know what? I just, I haven't actually talked about anything in regards to that. And I know that's not what we're supposed to be talking about on this. So I just want to say this really quickly is that I really, you know, obviously I was there for North Carolina and the market analysis, just coming from the perspective of somebody who, you know, obviously I've, I've worked as a general manager, I've worked on site and, you know, then, you know, coming from the perspective, just actually, you know, what, I'm just going to leave it at that perspective. That's where I'm going to leave it. But to be at that, that position and to be given that amount of time to really dig into your market and to be given those tools and that information and to really go hard at it is so, I love it so much. I love that you worked with Axiometrics. I love that, you know, you worked with Grace Hill to really get that involvement in there. And I think that it's such a valuable portion of the summit. And, you know, there's there's so much great stuff that, it, that occurs at the summits. And obviously the idea presentations, those are incredible. But the market analysis is just from an on-site team member's perspective. It isn't something that you necessarily really get to do. And you can, there's so many different takeaways and so many areas of the business that it's applicable to. And it, it makes your success that much more attainable by truly understanding your market. So I haven't said that before. I wanted to slide that in there. So that's me doing that. Yeah, no, it's, um, it hasn't been easy. Uh, I'll put it that way. <laughs> and 
the folks at, at Grace Hill and, and Axiometrics um, that we've been involved with know what I mean when I say that. But I think it's, um, and it's still, I still think there's some additional improvement that we can do, but it's, it's really, at this point, it's hearing the feedback from the folks that are sitting in that, in that workshop. And of course, you know, the summit's not just about the workshop. It's also about networking with other folks that are in or near your market in your general area, making contacts with them as well as the sponsors and the vendors that are there. And of course, our idea presentations. I mean, that's that's the really exciting part. Yeah, We've got, absolutely. I, can't, I can't wait for the folks to see the ones that we're doing at this summit when they see it on YouTube. One of them is with Willie Butler, who's a training developer at Asset Living. And he's actually releasing a book this summer on student housing called Releasing. Nice. And yeah. And so... He's going to be talking, um, you know, a little bit about what the what the book is about and and some of the theories that he goes over with it. So excited about that! And but anyway, in case anybody's wondering, I'm literally learning this information as you're learning it. So these reactions are real. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm I didn't to- know any of this prior to this moment. <laughs> I'm trying to talk Willie into going to to some of the other ones as well because it's a big deal to have a book come out. And yeah, that's huge. I mean, you know, what he's talking about can be applied to any business, but because he knows student housing, he's, you know, he's, he's using that as the, you know, as the target. And yeah, really cool. Haven't been able to read the whole thing. He was only able to send me, his publisher only would send a chapter to me, but so far I'm really enjoying it. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. But anyway, that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about Beyond Our Borders. <laughs> For those of you guys that, that follow me close on LinkedIn and, and some of our other social media outlets, you know that we were at the Interface Conference recently back in the uh, middle of April. And I was able to, to come in and because I love Interface and who it brings together. Because a lot of times, you know, we're so busy, especially when you start talking about C-suite and executives that really have a lot of experience within the student housing industry. This is kind of the one time of the year, maybe two times out of the year that you're able to get that, you know, expertise in the same room, under the same roof. And it just... You know, it, it makes for some great discussion. And I was able to, you know, we did it last year with, with five panelists that, you know, had all started out at the site level and had ended up in the C-suite or, uh, again, an executive role. And that was, you know, the audience loved that. It still continues to be the number one download. And so we said, hey, what can we do this year? And, you know, this past year, student housing has, you know, it's taken me to to Canada. It's taken me to to the UK. And I, because of that, it's also on the consulting side, it's also exposed me to a lot of things in regards to other countries. I've currently got a couple of clients that are in other countries that are sorting out deals and things that they want to do. So we're helping them with that. And I, I really you know, wanted to see, I wanted to, to get some of the groups that are currently, I shouldn't even say currently, um, but student housing operators that are currently or recently have been working out of the United States, either as a consultant or a management company, and kind of get their 
their insight on how that experience has been. And so we were able to get just a really stellar group, Scott Duckett with Campus Advantage, who, you know, Campus Advantage went through a pretty long process with a, with a deal in Russia that ultimately didn't end up happening. But I think it really kind of put a lot of things, you know, on the roadmap of, okay, if you're going to expand uh, your, your operations group to, to manage student housing outside of the U.S., here are the things you've got to think about. And so got some really great insight from Scott on that. Uh, Jake Jarman with Redstone Residential, they're currently in, in three different countries outside of the U.S. They're operating outside of the U.S. So I had some really <clears throat> good input from from Jake and then Christine Richards with Graystar used to be with or was part of EDR and you know EDR was not really focused in on, on international expansion. A lot of that was because they were a public company, which Christine goes into. But now with Graystar, because they are they were already operating student housing in in Europe and the other parts of the world. So, um, so she's gotten a lot of recent insight on, you know, kind of what it's like to, to step into that situation uh, where, you know, day one <laughs> from, from that merger, they're now, they're now operating in, in other countries and, you know, trying to come in and, and really create a best practices for each individual country and then across, you know, the entire company. So that was very, that was a very cool insight. And then, Beth Pender with CA Ventures, which they're just, you know, they're they just kind of taking on that world. You know, they they own and operate everything them, themselves. They're not doing any third-party management. And so they were able to really bring in not just, you know, the, the perspective of what it's like to, to operate, but also go through that development and, you know, that lease-up process and really kind of understanding what's going on with, with the students and, how to pick their brain on things that they want. And, and last but not least, we did have our, our token British accent that everybody will pick up <laughs> on, of Dan Smith. And of course, Dan Smith has been a part of the Student Housing Insight, not the podcast, but our YouTube video when I did a kind of an expose on what was going on with Unilodgers and their expansion into the U.S. And he was formerly with the Nido Collection, which did a lot of student housing or is doing a lot of student housing in Europe. And he was the managing director of that. But now actually the kind of day one of interface, he's no longer with the Nido collection, although he stays very close with those guys. He is, he has joined Unilodgers as their chief partnerships officer, I think is the way it's, his title is, is listed. But so got, you know, that unique perspective of not just, how his firm was operating in, in London and, and throughout Europe, but also kind of what their perspective is of, you know, these U.S. operators coming into into their home country and, and operating. So I think it's a great combo of people. It was. It was. I was really uh, I was really pleased with it and, you know, excited for everybody to hear about it. But yeah, it, it was a great combo of people. I think it worked really well. And, you know, let, let's go on and, and press play on this. But I do want it for all the audience members, because I know we've got a lot of site level and regional level audience members that, you know, you're, <laughs> you're kind of at that point where you really want to experience a lot of things. And if you've ever thought, well, you know, what can I do within student housing? I'm telling you, this is the time where there's great opportunities if you're working for 
uh, for a U.S. operator to, to be able to or have experience in the U.S., of being able to go to these other countries and you know help them open up new properties, help them with that transition. Exactly. You know, uh, there's there, there's one comment in here about you know everyone loves to go do the due diligence in these countries, <laughs> but when you start asking about, are you ready to to move there and and commit two years to it? Everybody kind of backs away. Uh, you know, goes in, goes into the closet <laughs> at that point. And man, I would just. I would encourage folks if, that, if that's something that you've you know thought about doing, as far as you know going to another country and experiencing that. It's a it's a great time to be in student housing, and I think there's a lot of opportunity for for folks that can be mobile like that. But hey, let's go ahead and push play, and we'll catch up on some takeaways in the outro. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for taking some extra time at Interface. Interface seems to be the only time that we can get a group like this together under under one roof and, and have a conversation like this. So appreciate you guys flying in a little bit early or, or driving in a little bit early to, to be able to do this. So thanks a lot for, for that. Really quick, just so our audience kind of has an understanding of the panel and what they've you know, where student housing has kind of taken you. Just give a, a quick intro and then um, uh, and then talk about what countries student housing has taken you to or what even what countries you're currently working in. Scott, I'll start with you. Sure. Uh, I'm Scott Duckett. I'm the executive vice president at Campus Advantage. I've uh, been in the industry now for 14 years and uh, have had the pleasure to go to many countries for work purposes. So um, over the last 10 years, really, maybe 12 years, I've worked, personally, I've worked in Germany, Austria, the UK, had a very large project in Russia uh, that went on several years, worked in Mexico, Puerto Rico, Canada, uh, and then we've had numerous conversations and exploratory discussions that didn't involve an actual trip um, with several countries in Europe, uh, West Africa, and parts of South Asia. Cool. Jake. Uh, Jake Jarman uh, with Redstone Residential. We're a small student housing uh, management firm based out of Provo, which is about 45 minutes south of uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, we're uh, in uh, Brazil and, and Mexico and, and uh, been to some other places, but uh, our, our focus right now is, is in South America. Great, great. Christy? Um, Chris Richards. Uh, executive director with Graystar, formerly was the chief operating officer of EDR until we were acquired six months ago by Graystar. Um, so global student housing is new. 18 years in the industry for me, and Graystar currently operates in Spain, the UK, and the Netherlands. Great. Just a quick question before I go over to Beth. You mentioned EDR, that acquisition taking you guys into beyond our borders. Was that something that was on EDR's map prior to the acquisition at all? Or? Globalization? Yeah. Um, we had looked into it. It's just as a public company, it was very difficult, yeah. right, with currency and exchange mm-hmm. rates and yeah. and reporting and stuff. So we had gotcha. backed away from it. Um, gotcha. But I did have the opportunity to meet the country leaders. I have not been able to actually visit the properties yeah. um, in the other countries, but I have had an opportunity in person to spend a day with our country leaders for each of the student housing divisions. And Great. We'll discuss more of those yeah. takeaways as we go. Yeah. Beth. All right. 
Um, I'm Beth Pinder, uh, Chief Operating Officer of CA Ventures based out of Chicago. Um, I've been in student housing for 11 years. We are currently in South America, Canada. I've worked in Canada, South America, and we're getting ready to deliver in Poland. Um, we have under contract in the UK, and so we've, we're looking at Spain, Netherlands. So we're kind of in the beginning stages of our operating over there. Great. But we are actively operating in South America. Great. Dan, you are the, the kind of odd duck in all of this because <laughs> you're, you're actually, I, want, I wanted to, to really have someone with you know, a non-U.S. perspective, which you've been a part of an operations group operating yeah. in the U.K. I'll have you say a little bit about that. But also, just so everyone's aware, you've now kind of made that transition to then, I loved what your email said to the light slash dark side. <laughs> pick whichever you want, whichever one you want to the supplier side, uh, and now involved with Unilodgers, which we did a um, you were part of a video that Student Housing Insight did for for them back in November. But real quick, give a, a quick intro and what your background has been. Sure. So I'm I'm Dan Smith, and up until. Today, I was Managing Director of uh, the Nido Collection, um, a student accommodation operator uh, and owner with buildings throughout Europe, sort of 3,000 or so beds operational, another 5,000 in development. And yeah, up until today, um, (laughs) that was the case. But but now I am uh, Chief Partnerships Officer at Unilodgers. We're a a global uh, student housing hub where students will come and book uh, any of uh, any sort of student rooms worldwide. We've got over two million rooms uh, on our books. And and yeah, it's it's uh, it's my my task to sort of oversee the global growth and the supply relationships um, uh, worldwide. Um, student housing is it's a fascinating industry uh, industry for me. I didn't have any prior experience until four years ago, uh, and it's taken me to uh, Colombia, um, uh, to uh, the US, to Canada, um, all throughout Europe as well. Uh, as I said, we've got development projects. Um, what well, we had rather development projects at the Nido Collection. So yeah, it's um, good to be here. Thanks very much for yeah, having me on. Yeah, great. So guys, I guess kind of first question to the to the US operators. You know, I, I understand some of the reasons that I think those that are on the finance and investment side of our of our industry may be pressuring folks, operators to go into to other countries, but let's just ask the question. Why in the hell are we doing it? <laughs> um, what's so attractive about it? Is there anything attractive about it? Scott, I'll, I'll start with, with you as well. But I think what, what the audience is really looking for and what I'm looking for is, you know, what are the reasons behind one other countries looking at the U.S.? I know that we've been a leader in this for obvious reasons. But is there anything beyond just, hey, these are the guys that have been doing it so long? Let's bring them here, and then, and then beyond that, what is you know what what's the attraction for a U.S. operator to to look at expansion beyond our borders? Great question, um, <laughs> and I'm sure we all have different uh, avenues at which we look at it. Um, I think for us, you know, starting way back uh, early in like 2006, 2007, when we first started looking into these opportunities, it was a way to bring the model that we had created or had been created here in the U.S., I should say, abroad. And with the understanding and the, and the focus back then, if that is back then, 10, 12 years ago, of um, 
needing a way to cater to international students at the time. And I think that's probably still true today. Although what I've seen change in that time period, particularly in Europe is a great example, but there's been an explosion with, with Asia as well as, you know, the model in Europe was most, a lot of folks went to college or university in their local town. So they lived with mom and dad mm-hmm. while they were there. And so when we were exploring these opportunities, it was about the international students that would come to a particular university in Europe but I think I've, you know, I've personally seen that change, and I think the data will back it up that there's more and more students moving around even within those countries yeah. or to other countries within, say, Europe. Uh, and then just the rise of students from Asia, all of Asia, uh, going to what I typically say Western universities has exploded. So you know, f- you know, I think some of it may have been personality, too. Mike Peter, our president CEO, and myself were Peace Corps volunteers many years ago, right out of college. And so we had had the opportunity to live abroad and work abroad. And so for us, it wasn't, it wasn't a scary thing. It was yeah. uh, something that we look forward to, but. And you've uh, got children currently that are studying. I, yeah, actually I, I have uh, two of my children are uh, in school and at university over in the UK in uh, Wales and Scotland. So I've been on the, I'm on the other side All now right. as a parent. I know what it's like to send your child abroad and what you're looking for when you're when you're doing that step so it's been very helpful but yeah i I think um you know this at least in my mind this started as a way to cater to what globalization has brought which is the the transferability of students to different countries to get their education and and it's just uh it's been growing since great and and i'll kind of leave that up to (laughs) to you guys if you want to add anything that may be a little bit different for you guys obviously your perspective you know, Jake is, is, you know, a much smaller company, certainly interested in, in understanding that. And then, you know, Beth with, with CA Ventures being very unique and how they're, you know, kind of vertically integrated. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm assuming you guys are doing the, the development and everything for what you're doing abroad. There's no, you're not buying operating uh, properties. Correct. These, yeah. So yeah. I'd like to kind of get that yeah. feedback from you guys. So for us, I think originally we were getting like quotes from other third parties. We were thinking there would be a learning curve. Maybe we would go that route at first. But the more we started to look at it and go over there and tour these markets and understand what's happening over there, we were kind of like, why not? You know, I mean, we can do this. We have a best in class student housing management firm so why wouldn't we do it so it was really uh, we've got our first deliveries in the UK in 2021 we figured that's enough time to do the research we need to do and figure out and it's been very interesting because one of the reasons you wouldn't do it would be you would be scared that you don't know how it is over there what the culture is like over there but when you get over there you kind of learn that there's little nuances and things that are different but there really is a need for a higher level management services so we do that so to us it was like why not yeah it was really that simple <laughs> I mean, yeah. why wouldn't we do it that's what we do yeah and you've got to feel like you could add some value to it a hundred percent i think that was really the resounding thing that i came back with i literally was over there toward all up and down uk all properties met with students i mean i went to wales there's not a lot of data really necessarily in right. terms of like how we when we go to a market and we tour it and we kind of understand the demographic and we try to decide what we're going to build there there's data but it's not like that real life living 
experience. So we kind of just, I went to Wales, there wasn't a lot to tour. So I just went on the street where all the kids hang out and yeah. sat in bars and talked to kids from Wales to figure <laughs> out, you know, what do you want? What do you like? Yeah. Like really <laughs> dig into like their culture and listen. Because I think one of the things that can happen is you can go into these markets and think, oh, well, I've been doing this for so long. I know what I'm doing. And I think that's very off-putting. So yeah. for me, like, we're in the beginning stages and it's just been more of a listen yeah. and learn mentality. And the more I listen, the more I learn. And I think the better that'll make us when we finally open up over there. You're right. It, it, it's really, really important to put aside that ego and that arrogance of, hey, you know, we're one of the largest operators in the yeah. U.S. And going over to Europe you don't necessarily know what you're going to get or anywhere or anywhere else for that matter. But in Spain, for example, the majority of, of halls of residence, um, they will have catering. Um, whereas yeah. in the UK, that's just not expected. So yeah. it's about going in, doing your research. But I think more importantly, as to what you said, is, is going and actually meeting your prospective customers. Yeah, that's um, been the, you know, the most fun, do? is really digging into these markets and mm. meeting everybody, meeting the operators, even going and staying in them. Like I went to the Netherlands yeah. and stayed in the student hotel just because yeah, I wanted to see what that was like, you yeah. know? And that was really enlightening too. So I, I think we've got enough time and enough runway to really get there, but we're still learning what it's all about. Well, I mean, I'm sure you're not opposed to doing any more focus groups at, <laughs> at local bars as well. <laughs> <laughs> So you uh, can imagine what they must have thought of me. I'm like the southern girl. I'm rolling up there, <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey, do you mind like sitting? I'll buy you a drink if you answer some questions for me." And they're like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" <laughs> That's great. Jake, anything else? So for us, uh, I think that the, the, one of the reasons why we've gone uh, abroad is for the excitement of it. How exciting is this to be mm -hmm. pioneers in in an area or in a country? And uh, for me personally, I, I've you know lived out of the country for a number of years. I lived in the Dominican Republic uh, when I was younger, and, and then lived in Spain uh, for a number of years. And uh, my partner Grant lived in Guatemala uh, for a number of years. So for us, the the, the language barrier and, and the new experience wasn't uh, scary. Yeah, it's exciting and exciting to be pioneers uh, in in these countries that are. Kind of lagging in terms of uh, how much student housing or the even the student housing experience or concept yeah. is brand new to them so mm -hmm. it's it's all very exciting so when we were at lunch we had a little bit of a discussion on especially when it came to south america about systems mm. and that seems to be one of the biggest things i know i've had conversations <laughs> with matt and the bogota office yeah. and that seems to be the biggest the biggest, I don't want to say obstacle, but just a pain point. So how, how are things like that being handled right now? That's hard because we're used to one platform that we use for all of, you know, we're exclusively Entrada. And yeah. I love Entrada. I consider myself an expert in it. And we have to use six different systems uh, down there. Uh, one of them is a hotel uh, operating system yeah. simply because those were the best that we had at the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, finding the systems and getting them integrated to work the way they work here uh, it has been a struggle. Yeah. So I've only, I've had South America for a year, and when I was sent down there to try to figure out what's going on, that was the, by far what I left there the most alarmed by was just the lack of systems and processes. I mean, operating out of Excel, like it it was insane. So we actually do use Entrada over there, and we have 
that was one of the reasons why Matt went over there was to get all of that up and running and mm-hmm. get everything really moving and operating the way we should be operating because that is a huge challenge over there. Gotcha. They don't know. I mean, you talk about going into a market where student housing isn't even a thing. Mm, right. Like you literally are educating the entire market, country, and everything yeah. on what mm. student housing is. And it's it's taken up until this year to finally like get kids to understand that you can like renew like renewing is they wouldn't even know what that is they book like weeks at a time and so we are just now getting to the point in chile where like 70 percent of the we are actually pre-leasing for the first time okay so you have to teach the whole thing from scratch Gotcha. Even the wow. training over there, the language barrier is harder, obviously, than it is in Poland or in the UK. I mean, I've, I've conducted entire training systems with a translator. Like, it's the mo- it is, like, so different there. Yeah. Wow. I think one of, one of the issues that we, we found as Nido students um, was, was that the system software providers, they follow the operators rather than actually pioneering themselves sure and you know you know making sure that everything is set up and ready in multiple languages multiple currencies yes. and the training is there and ready to roll out in Portugal in South America Colombia wherever you know wherever it may be they're following us rather than actually pioneering themselves and yeah. that's that's what we that's what we found is, is one of the biggest challenges that we have to drag our software providers along with us yeah um, that's very true so Chris you know with with the recent Graystar acquisition, that opened up a whole world to you guys. Uh, I've been to Graystar's London office, met with, with Neil uh, Burton there, and a great advocate for, for student housing or student accommodations, as it's referred to there. What are some of the other, now that EDR has, has come into, you know, really kind of driving the, the student housing part of, of what Graystar is doing that globalization that Graystar already had in place, are, are you guys finding any additional barriers to, to entry on any of those countries? Or Well, Graystar had a presence in student, significant presence in Correct. the UK, right? Um, and then with the acquisition in 2017 of RESA in Spain, they had a significant presence there. So what they didn't have was a domestic presence, really, in student right. housing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, five owned assets and a handful of managed accounts. So we just kind of gave them some you know, depth right. in the U.S. Right. Um, to kind of round out out the portfolio, I guess. So in a lot of ways, I guess it's been more of, uh, of you guys learning how they're doing it in other countries and you know, we've spent, not so much. We've spent time, right, all, all kind of four countries that are operating student, um, kind of talking through best practices, right? Not necessarily the U.S. teaching them, right, but just learning from each other. How does everybody do it? What are the nuances and the differences? The leasing by the week versus, you know, leasing in installments Mm. for the year or something. I think it's just a, it's a fantastic collaboration, right? So we can learn best practices. But more importantly, what I've kind of learned out out of the whole conversations are that our students or our customers are exactly the same. Yeah. Whether I'm in the U.K. or in Texas, I'm dealing with mental health issues, Yeah. right? And whether or not I'm in the Netherlands or in Spain, I've got packages being delivered (laughs) by Amazon where I don't have the real estate to hold them. Um, So I think that's been the most, I I guess, my takeaway from our discussions um, with those kind of student country leaders has been 
basically the folks we're dealing with, right? The customer issues are all the same. Yeah. No matter where we where we are, you know, across the world, we're, it's just it's all the rest of it, right? Yeah. The systematic, the software, the language barrier. What's what's been the most surprising thing as you as you have? I mean, I've spent some time in the UK and Canada this past year and, and seen some some big differences in the UK versus the way that we do it here. But for for that whole process of, of understanding Graystar's portfolio and and being part of that that process of, of you know discussing best practices, what's been what's been one of the things that have just stood out in your mind of wow, I didn't never even thought of it that way or or wow, that's just really interesting. I think really it's shared resources, right? Like I didn't realize how fortunate we were for the amount of professional organizations and resources that we have um, to kind of guide us, right? So if you're struggling with, and mental health seems to be a hot topic, if I'm struggling with mental health, I can go to Akuho, um, which is now Akuho I, so they do have international locations, but I can go to them as a resource, right? Whereas my you know, peers in other countries didn't have didn't access have that. to that resource yeah. because they didn't know about it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really the the professional support that we have, you know, from from the National Apartment Association. Yeah. Um, that perhaps they don't they don't have the resources we have. Gotcha. Gotcha. Great. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you know I, I know employees from all of your companies and it seems like a great culture at, at all of the companies and. <clears throat> I, I kind of put myself in, in their feet of thinking, especially if it's a company that, you know, is just kind of announcing that they're getting into going into other countries for student housing. From a culture standpoint, did you guys have any fears on how that may change the inner workings of your company culture? Well, the one thing I saw is when uh, we would announce internally that we were potentially going into this country or that country, There'd be a lot of excitement. People are like, oh, all volunteer. How can yeah. I do due diligence? That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. Going to Jamaica. And then yeah. when it came time to actually say who's willing to move and relocate for six mm. months, it was a completely different story. Yeah. So I, th- I think uh, you know that's something a little nuance internally because it sounds very appealing to a lot of people, but then the reality of of picking up and moving is much more diff- different. Um, and I think the people that have gone abroad and participated, uh, most of our work, I should say, has been in a consulting format. So um, very little in terms of actual operating on the mm-hmm. ground. But for the folks who have gone, you know, they've really appreciated it and they've found that it's a lot more work. Um, I think this, uh, the, the glamour, you know, sounds great, but, uh, you know, in, in Europe, I'll give credit to our European friends. They they work long hours, and uh, you know, I, the first week over there, I think we worked nothing short of twelve or fourteen hour days every day. Traveled at the beginning and ends of those days, so it's a, it's a lot of grueling work, and at the same time, a lot of data collection. So. Uh, I think that's something that folks need to keep in mind is it's not a free vacation. Mm. I've come to Austin for a holiday. So. Well, I know. Dan, Dan's here. He's down on 6th Street tonight. Uh, no, but it, it's a lot of work and it, it's it, the work is another level up, as I think Beth was alluding to. It's, you, know, you got this language issue going on, so you're trying to decipher language and then terminology is different. Mm. And you know, one of the first tasks I did was try to put together a budget for a project in Austria. Well. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm sitting next to an operator from from Salzburg, and we're comparing. You know, what are these different things in a budget? And there's so many nuances. It's like, what's, what do you mean value added tax VAT? What's yeah, what's this yeah. all about? And 
And so there's there's a lot to it. So I, th- Not I think to that's the currency exchange. Yeah. Right? Currency, then you're yeah, trying to, yeah, yeah, you're trying to figure yeah. that out. And then employment is huge. Yeah. Employment varies greatly by country, you know, in terms of laws and what you actually pay as the employer and everything else. Yeah. So, so I think that's one thing is that um, you know it, it is appealing and it's fun. It, it's we're pioneers, you know, we're out there on the front front end of things, but it is also a lot of work. So I think something that's kind of yeah. interesting in our space, to, what you were talking about earlier, like all. All of like the leadership on my team, they all started as CAs, like when they were 18 years old. So they're 15 years in and, you know, they're in their 30s. They're not married. They don't have kids, you know. So the people that have the most experience to, to go over there and do these things really are, to your point, in an unbelievable position yeah. to take those leaps. Um, I was fortunate enough when we decided to take South America in-house to have Matt, who wanted to move over there. So he took the two, he's going to do the two years and get everything stabilized. And I think he'll probably then go to Europe. Um, And then I have Nick, who also in his 30s took his family and his child and moved to London for two years to help me get the management company started there. But Scott's right, like... It, there's, it takes a very special person to be willing to like just change your life like that. But it was also very important to us at CA to have someone that understands the CA way, so to yeah. speak, there getting things off the ground with the intention to then build it from right. Europe, from South America. I mean, everybody that works in South America is from there. I sent Matt and then Miguel, who's one of my regional sales support, who happens to be from Barranquilla. So it was perfect. Mm. Like, I'm like, okay, you guys just go over there, get it done. And they're getting it done. And so now Nick and his wife, Erin, are over there and they're going to help us get the management going over on that side. And then Matt will go there. So it, it has been, I've been very fortunate to have people who are willing to go and, and make that sacrifice, but it's, it's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. It's great that you're. And, that, and his wife, yeah, and it's because it is. It's, yeah, well, she actually used to work with us too, and so it was an opportunity to hire her again cool. and kind of have some skin in the game. You know, I think as going over there as a couple, they're gonna probably get a whole lot more done and a lot more supporting each other and all that. So it's been very exciting. But to speak to your cultural question. It's everybody else is seeing this, you know, like everybody in the field. It's we're like we're talking the talk, you know, and we're walking the walk. We say, you know, we're doing this for, um, you know, opportunity and they're actually seeing it happen. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. So we talked a little bit about obviously the the PMP. Is there anything that you guys are seeing as you've experienced this and this is probably more of a question for for YouTube because you're so probably a lot more active in it than than the rest of us. Graystar has got a wonderful infrastructure in place for what's already happening in these other countries, and you guys are kind of living this out a little bit more day to day right now. I know, I think I was communicating with Matt, and he was in Poland with you, and this was just a couple of weeks ago. So I know you guys are kind of in the thick of it. But are there things that you're that you're looking at, maybe not necessarily as an obstacle, obstacle, but it's definitely something that you're saying, okay, this is what we're going to have to do different in these other countries. You know, employment law was mentioned. And yeah. uh, in Brazil, we're finding that uh, we can't necessarily easily employ 
are uh, are CAs. Um, if they're if they're living there on site, it's harder to employ them than if they oh, were living off site. So we're we're working with uh, local attorneys and uh, and uh, but we've seen that in other countries as well where where we're operating where employment law is so different and unique from what we're accustomed to here in the United States and so it it definitely creates some challenges operationally how you would normally do it and I'm yeah. saying well just hire these people yeah she's she seems amazing she's happy she lives here yeah. let's just hire her. like oh, it's not that easy Jake yeah. so we, we've definitely seen some some cultural differences yeah, specifically in South America, yeah. down there that's that is one for sure I think a broader answer is like everything's different but to Chris's point everything's the same the nuts and bolts of what we do is the same mm-hmm. but there's you know, every pro- even in the UK, I mean, it's such a fragment. It's such a fragmented market. Yeah. Like the United States is the United States, and we're student housing. You could go Glasgow, Edinburgh, Leeds, Sheffield. I mean, it is so fragmented. Like you have, it's you have to learn every little nuance about every little area, and it's all so it's all different. And so that's why we, you have to be, it's kind of like going back to that whole grassroots way of like learning your markets. You just got to get in there and you got to yeah. learn it. And for me personally, if I'm going to operate it, I want to learn it. Yeah. So I'm going myself to figure out how we're going to do this and what we need to do different. And I don't know all the answers to even answer what is different. I just know that there's a lot of things that are and as I meet with like even your company using broker type deals over there, there's all the, there's so many nuances. I mean, that's yeah. the longest list is yeah. what's different. What we're going to do, I mean, we're going to do the <coughs> same thing we do here and we're going to provide a level of service and experience that I think that if you look at what's happening at the U- in the UK, the, the brands, the brands that are really focusing in on experience and the sophisticated services and things like that, they're the ones that are kind of rising to the top. Yeah. So there's obviously that's that works there. And yeah. that's what we do here. So we're just going to take what we do here and do it over there. Great. I think what Graystar has kind of done, right, because not only is student kind of global, but multifamily is global too. And they've come to... Um, kind of the realization that there are some things that there are no borders on and there are some things that there are borders on, right? So talent management, technology, risk management, PR, what things have to be kind of country specific or even kind of locality specific Mm -hmm. and what things can be global. Um, And they've put together a global practices team, right? Where there's kind of a lead for all of the major areas across the company to see where we can you know, what, where, where can we systematically do the same thing and where can we not? Gotcha. Um, and that, that, that has been interesting to start watching it kind of unfold gotcha. um, and how it changes, because it changes things domestically, right, as well. Yeah. If yeah. we figure out there's a global practice that we can use worldwide, then that's going to change domestically how we do things too. Yeah. Um, it, anything specific, you know, there's, for example, my trip to the UK back in November, I was amazed at how centrally managed those properties are to the point that things like brokers and referral services make so much more sense there than they ever have here. But I, I also kind of look at that and start thinking about the, you know, how what kind of impact that that would end up having on if we were to adopt something very similar here. What kind of impact that has on on the P and L of the properties, right? Are there things that you guys are are picking up that you're saying? Maybe this is the way we should have done it here. Isn't that footprint, though? 
I mean, if you look at the U.S., for the most part, our products serve a four-year institution, mm-hmm. a specific four-year institution, right? So if I'm going to build in State College, Pennsylvania, I'm going to serve that yeah. one particular institution. But if I'm in London, I might be serving 85 different Very true. universities, right? Yeah. And so, and my, and my international population at State College might be 5%, whereas my international population in the U.K. may be... 35% yeah. or something. And so I think those types of services are kind of dependent upon mm-hmm. what it is, who it is we're actually servicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on, I mean, as as the supply has increased um, year on year in the UK, I mean, there are certain cities that you would say are saturated, the likes of Liverpool, Newcastle, Glasgow to a certain extent now um, in certain places will be fairly saturated. Sheffield, there's more I could go on. I don't want to scare you, Beth. But, no, uh, I've been but, no, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but I was going to say Sheffield. Exactly, yeah. But that's, that's, where, that's where someone like Uni Lodgers can come in and say, right, you will have voids. The likelihood is you will have voids in these cities if you don't work with you know, the, the likes of a, a marketplace or a, or a student um, housing booking hub. Because of the fact that you know, we know that there will be voids, we can come in and say, well, just give us those rooms ultimately, and and we will make sure that we assist you with your with your leasing throughout the course of the year. Um, it'll allow you to plan that bit better, give you higher occupancy um, throughout the year, and that's why it was important for me when I when I was with Nido to work with the agents, consolidators, marketplaces, whatever you want to whatever you want to call them, to get those get those level of uh, levels of occupancy up because it's not shooting fish in a barrel anymore. Excuse the idiom, um, but. <laughs> But we yeah, get it. yeah, but um, but yeah, it, it's getting harder and harder to get to 100% occupancy, and investors are still as demanding as they ever were, you know, five, ten years ago. It's just that there are more and more beds creeping up um, every single year. In Glasgow, for example, there's 500 beds being built directly next to um, one of the one of the buildings for Nido. That will definitely have an impact. In London, for example, Wembley has just taken off, and there's 5,000 beds there that have just popped up. Firstly, over the last two years, that's had an impact on the West Hampstead asset. But we've managed to make sure that we get that to full occupancy and get the other buildings to as close to full occupancy as we possibly can by using the likes of. Um, uni lodges, other marketplaces, and and various other agents as well. It's it's about having a very diversified sales funnel. That's absolutely key. I've got. I understand that on the on the sales standpoint, and, and the other thing I'm thinking about is with with those types of numbers that are increasing in the UK. What, what's what's the largest property out of the those five thousand that you mentioned? Uh, probably about seven hundred and fifty beds. Uh, any idea on what the the staff, the on-site staff, actually looks like at that property? Uh, yes, there'll be around sort of eight eight or so people. It, it depends where that asset would be in within the market. You'll see some op- operators um, use a skeleton staff and just have one general manager, and then maybe operate the rest on uh, community ambassadors, resident ambassadors, what you, whatever you want to call them, that are students that, that kind of live there. There'll be a maintenance operative on call or something, and then a housekeeping team here and there. Yeah. And then you get somewhere there are twenty odd people within yeah. there, and there's you know there's um, two people in the in the sales and marketing team, uh, and then there are um, some uh, resident assistants as well that are full time, a front of house manager if they're treating it like sort of hospitality yeah. and leisure. Yeah. Um, it's it, it really really varies, but yeah, typically seven hundred and fifty beds. You're looking at about eight people yeah. or so. Well, and, and and the core of my question to to that was really based on. You know, I, 
when I see how things were managed in the in the UK, specifically in London, because uh, to be fair, I didn't really get outside of uh, outside of London, but it seems very very centrally managed at the at the corporate offices, and I was actually amazed at how well things operated. I don't know that that would necessarily happen here in the U.S. It makes me very nervous mm-hmm. to even think about that few staff members at some of these properties. But the other thing is, you know, I look at I spent some time in Canada this summer and. Most of those properties, you know, have weekly in-suite cleaning, and I was amazed at how low the turnover cost was. Now, don't get me wrong; you're you're paying for that throughout the year, but also the how well a you know five-year-old property looked in Canada with that type of you know weekly cleaning that was happening that you know we're typically used to seeing it a lot of p3 type projects the the asset was in remarkable condition and they literally most of the properties that that i was working with they're well and and some of you guys know this but the the turnover was literally like 24 hours in the summer between last day of august and first day of september so and that couldn't be done, you know, without having that weekly cleaning. So anyway, what I'm getting at is there are a lot of those type of things that I've seen that I'm thinking, okay, that makes a lot of sense. You know, how obviously you guys are going through a kind of a best practices exercise of figuring that stuff out um, at Graystar. But are there things that you guys are seeing like that that you feel like we've got to, as, as U.S. operators, we've got to take a deeper look at? I mean, I was uh, not prepared for what you just mentioned, the fact that every single property that we manage uh, has house cleaning. Yeah. And, you know, that's u- unique, uh, I think, to a, to a lot of markets here in the United States, but it's very commonplace in, in other areas of the world. And that's just built into it. And, and uh, I said, hey, we're not going to do this. And they said, we don't care what you think, we're doing it. Because that's how we grew up. That's how things are here yeah. in this country. And uh, it, it's, it, you have to change that, uh, that mindset and be willing to say, okay, culturally, this, is, this may not fit within my budget or within my paradigm, but it fits within theirs. And so I need to be able to be willing to change my paradigm mm-hmm. to match that culture. Gotcha. Anything else? Um, I mean, when you look at Spain, for example, Spain has, uh, Spain's quite notorious in that the students are very particular. So we had, we had a good look at Spain, Portugal, we sort of merged the two together into an Iberia. Um, and in Spain, they expect their linen to be done. They expect, um, sometimes they will expect, they'll always expect food. They'll expect daily cleans. Cake at four o'clock. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> ge- uh, genuinely. Cake um, at four o'clock. Yeah, and that's great for the community level, but it's not so good, great for your bottom line. When you start thinking about all of the extra services that you're starting to add in, typically anywhere in the world, beds are beds. You can operate, you know, you, know, I, you could put me into the States and I would be able to operate a building. I wouldn't necessarily know the market inside and out, so I'd have to do a fair bit of research as, as you're doing, Beth. Um, and I think it's really important that whenever you go to a new country that you are doing a huge amount of research. You're talking to the students. You know those little nuances, whether it be, okay, you have to change the linen on a daily basis. You have to do a daily clean. You can't just clean up to the apartment door. You have to go right inside and, and you know almost treat it like a hotel. Mm-hmm. That is really, really important, but it really does add to the cost. And when you've got an investor 
um, or stakeholders, shareholders, whatever, and they're expecting a certain uh, NOI, it gets really challenging when you know you go to Spain and that NOI just gets further and further away from where you originally wanted it to be yeah. because the UK or the US, it may be fairly set and it's quite simple. There might not be any particular extras that, that would normally be uh, added on. Whereas somewhere like Spain, somewhere like Colombia, for example, um, where you know I, I did a lot of looking into seven assets in Colombia, and the costs were just staggering to the point where we had to kind of pull away and say, I, I can't make the figures work for this particular investor. So maybe we could try and find another one, maybe not. But that's one of the real challenges that we found, finding the investors that are going to understand that you move from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, uh, country to country, you are going to find that the NOI and therefore the IRR and uh, the investor rate return is going to be significantly different. And Dan, this is kind of a question. <laughs> this is kind of the main question I wanted to, uh, to to ask you, but then to also kind of get everyone else's feedback on what they've experienced. But you've been an operator in the UK and, and obviously you've seen the likes of these other companies coming into the UK. What is you know, what's the general take, not just necessarily your previous company, but, but other operators when they see a company that's coming in from the U.S. To, to begin operations? And for the rest of you, you know, the countries that you've gone into, you know, what's been the relationship with current operators that, that are in those countries? I mean, everybody's we, smiling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Go ahead, please. Let's yeah, see yeah. what you say. <laughs> <laughs> um, most competition is good competition. Um, is what I would say. I mean, Greystar actually bought the previous Nido buildings before I before I started. I was drafted in when Greystar had had bought um, three spectacular premium student accommodation buildings in central London, which have then been turned into into the chapter brand. So it was my job to kind of take the brand from scratch again and and grow and and, and build it from there. What what you kind of I suppose what what you hope is that you know any kind of competitor will come in thinking they know it all and learn a few lessons along the way and I know I know a few of them have you, mm-hmm. you know they've they've eaten a bit of humble pie and they've learned and there are various things that they're putting in place now that will certainly assist with the global with global rollout in terms of how we how UK operators in particular feel about it or European operators. It's, it's a challenge. Every city is now, there is, it, it, because it's a very different market to the US, every city now has pockets of saturation. Um, and, and as I said before, parts of Sheffield, Newcastle, Glasgow, various other places, there's bits of London as well. It is becoming more and more of a challenge. And so one of the key things is that I then need to, I, I had to kind of learn to be able to adjust the investor expectations and therefore adjust the underwriting and make sure that there is a very honest communication. Now, everybody I think is now aware that uh, you just won't get the 100% occupancy levels that you would have done five years ago. Um, You know, just before I joined the student accommodation industry, they were having a great time. It was literally build it and they will come. It it, it genuinely was. Um, You could pretty much put student accommodation anywhere and it would fill. And now it's very much not the case. You've got to focus on your brand. You've got to listen to your residents. You've got to think about the experience and the community. You've got to think about Generation Z and, you know, how focused they are on the personalization and, you know, instantaneous communication and sustainability and, and... and also mental health and well-being, Chris, you said earlier, it's, it is absolutely key that we are looking after those students. And 
so there are a lot of lessons that that you know can be learned along the way. I could summarise those in in you know pretty much an hour to be honest with you. But um, uh, so yeah, come and find me later. But, uh, but uh, I think the operators that are cu- have come in uh, have learnt good lessons and are putting. Uh, putting those into practice so you know it's just bringing the standard of accommodation up yes it's driving the rents up but at the same time you know that is just the nature of the beast I don't think so yeah. I think it's what Beth said earlier right so when I was looking through that question in like all capital letters I wrote listen yeah yeah right absolutely. listen and then hi- change yeah. because change is is makes people uneasy right yeah. so if you were to come in a few US operators to come in and just say we're going to change this this and this because this is the way we do it mm-hmm. right that's going to make people uneasy stop and listen first yeah right before you start implementing change right and i think it's it's small steps i mean i was with the kind of country leader for spain last week and we were just kind of brainstorming right yeah. this is the way they do it and i said well what about this Right? Have you thought about adding premiums to these units on these floors? Right, If you're trying to grow revenue, yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be across the board rate increases. Right. It could be small small steps. Aha, good idea. Yeah. Um, so listen right, to what they have to say and then throw out, throw out an idea and small shifts in implementation. I don't think it has to be kind of an overhaul. Yeah. Um, and so how good you are at that, right? listening to what the people you know, are currently doing and how they're operating, you won't mess up the HR or hiring the <laughs> CA, you yeah. know, you know, and screwing that up, right? Mm-hmm. Just listen. Yeah. I think yeah, you have to be humble, right? Because if, if you're, uh, the feedback that, that, that I've received is, you know, uh, we don't want, Jake, we don't want to think of you as the evil American overlords coming here to take <laughs> our jobs and tell us what to do. These are competitors or these? No, this, this is employees st- saying, okay. look, we, we, we love what you're doing and love what you're saying, but you've got to, you, you know, you, you can't be so excited about this, Jake. And I'm like, too bad. I'm always excited. Yeah, I don't know. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. But you have to be humble and, and work with them because if not, they do start to feel a little bit of resentment that, you know, they're coming from another country and telling me what what to do in my country mm-hmm. uh, that's hard and so there, there needs to be that that uh, that element of the humble pie that you mm-hmm. mentioned helping them see this is why we do things this way and and if you can think of a, another way to do it that works within uh, you know the framework of what we're trying to create here then that's fine but you have to be humble otherwise yeah. they, they do start to say who is this weirdo yeah. yeah i think another angle that I, I took your question maybe slightly differently and that's you know, how, how are we being perceived? Um, and when I say I took it differently, I mean a lot of the work that we've done, whether it's been stimulated by a private developer's interest, has generally come back to be something that we're involved with the local university on. And in most cases, the local universities ha- are, are welcoming these types of things. And if you want to take that to a higher higher level, you know, you can say, well, it's all about competition, right? In order to attract international students mm-hmm. that want to come to my campus, I have to have nice accommodations to offer them or they're going to choose my competitor. And so I think the key, at least uh, from in, in the majority of the cases that we've worked on, is establishing a good relationship with the university so they see it and then trying to share that so when... Uh, when you're working with a local operator who may feel threatened, present it as an opportunity for them and their university to grow. And it's keeping them competitive. It's keeping yeah. them up to speed mm-hmm. on on what's happening and the way the world's changing. And um, 
I think, you know, big picture, that's that's what a lot of it boils down to as well, because you know, education is a business. We're, yeah. we're exporting education right. here in the West and the U.S. and U.K. and Australia. And so um, we've worked with, uh, in fact, we did a, a work study trip with the Kuhoi through China and some of the work we did in Russia. There was so much of a focus on university rankings and wanting to yeah. be, you know, move up those rankings so they can attract more students to that campus. And housing's a part of that. And not just housing, because a lot of times uh, housing spills over into, well, how do you market? Mm-hmm. How do you market yourself, the university and the housing? What are your what are your policies around uh, some of the, the cultural pieces on campus? And how can your housing be integrated with the university oper- operations? Even if it's a private off-campus facility, there can still be a, a, a dovetail connection there between the two. So Let me ask you this question, Scott and, and Chris. I think you've probably got some good insight on this, too. Where do you see the the biggest opportunity at? Is it in these other countries? Is it from kind of a what we call a P three, a public private partnership here in the states? Is it more of that working with those foreign universities, or is it on the private side where we're going in and providing? You know, not having done research to answer this with uh, sure, with sure. data, I would say it really depends on the economic status of the country. I think a lot of growing uh, country, countries that are in the growth phase, you're probably looking at more of a relationship with the university, with, yep. with a government entity, versus the more um, seasoned uh, countries in terms of their economy. You're probably looking at more private opportunities. Yeah, just jumping on that, definitely. Um, it, with, within, I've had a look at Central Europe, uh, Southern Europe as well. The, the markets aren't quite as mature, and that's when you can get in there with the universities. When you take the UK, for example, where it's a super competitive market with uh, PBSA, the difficulty is that the universities, they don't need us anymore. Right. When it was just the likes of Unite, our largest provider, or um, Liberty Living, for example, one of the sort of top five providers, when it was just them, and PBSA was a very new um, sort of phenomenon for, for universities, they would take nominations agreements, group bookings in those in those buildings just to get the just to get the beds in, so they could say to international students, "You can have a lovely room. Look at this common space." Whereas in their own um, halls of residence, you've just got a box room. Here's your key. We'll see you in fifty one weeks. Um, and, and now with PBSA, or, or sorry, rather sort of five years ago or so, they had the, you know, the common room, all the amenities they could possibly want, a gym, you know, a karaoke room, things like that. And that was, you know, super important. As time has gone on, some of them have been stung, the, some of the universities have been stung by um, uh, not filling their nominations agreements and shelling out, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds on empty rooms that they just couldn't fill as the sort of demand has waned and you know mm-hmm. there, there's quite a lot of fluctuation in the UK at the moment and so the universities now they it's very very difficult in the UK to get in there and get a partnership with them so the best you can really hope for unless you are right next to campus um, or right next to a faculty is to get a referral agreement or at least get listed on their website um, and it's that again was another sort of real difficulty for, for any kind of private provider and will be for any private provider coming in to the market thinking, well, I'll just go and talk to the university uh, and surely they'll give us, you know, maybe a thousand bed nomination and, and that's, you know, two yeah. buildings full. It just doesn't work like that anymore. It did five years ago, but the market's moved on so much. And that's that will happen in Spain, that will happen in France, that will happen 
probably in about 50 years in Italy. But, um, you know, there are various other markets where it's just starting to sort of creep up. The universities are realizing we don't have to take this risk. We don't have to do these partnerships. We can just say, yeah, there's loads of great accommodation options. So I think it's really important to, to know that before you get into that market. In the conversations we've had around kind of the US P3 model, right, is that it is my understanding that the accommodations on these campuses, right, the reason that they were reaching out and mass releasing or master booking to mm. the private institutions for the nice accommodations is because the stuff on campus was not yeah. that nice, right? right? It was not in that great of condition, which is exactly the condition that happened in the US, yes. right? The, the universities can can build. I mean, they know they know how to do all that, right? But they don't have the money for it, and mm. their accommodations are kind of in dilapidated conditions, which is what has opened up kind of the, the world of P3s, right? We right. come in with the expertise, but we also have the money, mm-hmm. um, and we can give them the you know new beautiful accommodations that then help them in their marketing and their enrollment growth. And my understanding is that it's similar, you know, gotcha. across the globe. Yeah, um, they just don't put the money into the accommodations because they're. Frankly, their mission is academics. It is. Right? Um, whether you're in Spain or whether in the, the U.S., the university's ultimate mission is academics, and the additional services that we offer um, are just part of it, but not their ultimate mission. We've seen a lot of universities in, in the U.K. sell off big accommodation portfolios, the likes of Aston, the likes of Southampton, Solent. You know, Aston sold sort of two, for 269 million pounds their portfolio right next to their campus. Um and that is a measure of the fact that they don't get the assistance from the government anymore. Things have changed so much for them. Tuition fees aren't guaranteed, and it looks likely that they may drop. Um, there's a possibility that they may drop, at which point some courses will run at a loss. Um, it's it's going to be a really challenging time, particularly in the UK. But um, but yeah, Europe will also start to feel the, feel the pinch on that too, I think. So I think that's similar, right? The yeah. mon- monetization of on-campus yeah. housing in the US mm. is starting to become... Yeah. You know, at least showing up in RFPs and stuff, and, mm. and you're seeing it across the globe. Great. Well, fantastic. Well, guys, I, I could probably carry on this conversation <laughs> for a couple more hours, but I don't think we'll be able to keep our, our audience. <laughs> <more laughs> They're going to drift off. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I do like to, um, I do like to kind of end these panel discussions with a, with a quick fire round. Some of it is, <laughs> is, is funny and, and some of it, it maybe maybe there will be some benefit that someone will get out of it. So these are which do you personally prefer? Doesn't mean what your company requires or anything like that, but what you personally prefer. So uh, and there's a reason for this first one that I've asked about iPhone or Android. So Scott, I'll start with you, and we'll go through. Boy, <laughs> should I mull this over a while? Uh, iPhone. Yeah iPhone. iPhone. Gotcha. iPhone. Yeah, iPhone. Okay. Main reason I was asking is just from an <coughs> international standpoint, I didn't know if you're finding it easier or harder to use one platform over the other as you travel. So, all right. We'll start with you this time, Dan. Country music or hip hop? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to go country music. pandering. <laughs> 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 I'm going hip hop. Country music. Country. Country. Yes. All right, Scott. <laughs> new development or acquisition? Acquisition. Was the property management fees are higher? Or? <laughs> no, it's just you don't have to worry about delays. You don't have to worry about... You have a phone number. You have a phone number. Yeah. You have an office. You have an they take over. You got a building. Just make sure you got a team there. And you're good to go. 
All right, go for it, Jay. Acquisitions. <clears throat> Acquisition. New development. Yeah, new development. I like taking something from scratch and building it up. Okay. I don't know if I'll have to do any explanation for this one or not, but let me know. Golf or cornhole? <laughs> Is that where you get like a bean bag? And yes. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, golf. <laughs> Barely a sport anyway, but still. Yeah. Definitely cornhole. Cornhole. Golf. Cornhole. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Just said football so, football. I, f- I figured with, oh, none, yeah. with none of the folks actually at the golf tournament today, it would all be cornhole, but maybe you guys just didn't know about the golf tournament. All right, Scott, yoga or CrossFit? CrossFit. Yoga. Neither? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> neither. All right, Uber or Lyft? Uh, Uber. I don't think we have Lyft yet in the UK. Okay. Uber. 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 Lyft. Well, they might have got those scooters here. Oh, they I are know. lethal, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're doing that while they're drinking. I, think I have no oh, idea. That's yeah. a good term. Yeah. <laughs> I saw them buzzing around last night. They haven't made it to the UK yet. It's only a matter of weeks, I'm sure. Well, we'll take so, care of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of lot of issues with those, especially when it comes to ADA accessibility because they get locked. Left out on the sidewalks and that kind of thing. So, Scott, I followed you throughout your career. We've known each other throughout our career. And uh, I know you've been on both sides of this. So, operations or business development? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's no good answer there. Can I just plead the fifth? (laughs) (laughs) Say both. Yeah, I like both. I like they're they're intertwined. So, whatever you're selling, you got to deliver. Absolutely. I think both are hunting, and uh, one is hunting for uh, for the deals, and and the other one is hunting for leases. Yeah. So I prefer <laughs> operations, though. Yeah. Sell me some leases. <laughs> I say both. Both. Yeah, you can't have one without the other. Oh well. Really <laughs> We'd all be good though. in politics, wouldn't we? <laughs> Dodging your question. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dan. YouTube or podcasts? Uh, podcasts. Oh, um, YouTube. Definitely. Oh, except for your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're doing this on YouTube as well. So you actually oh, actually watch right, it. Oh, that's right. I forgot. YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. All right. Sitcom or drama? Drama. Sitcom. Drama. Sitcom. Drama. Gotcha. All right. So make sure that you're historically correct in this answer because oh, by God. the time this comes out, <laughs> the NCAA tournament will have already... Uh-huh be over with tonight the first night of interface is also the championship game Mm. so uh scott i'll actually start with you this time no let's start with dan since he's probably had to do a lot of research (laughs) on this (laughs) so for the basketball ncaa basketball tournament championship tonight texas tech or uva well we're in austin i'm gonna i'm gonna go texas tech all right i'm going uva 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 tech Texas Tech. All right. Okay. Well, guys, again, I appreciate it so much for you guys taking the extra time, and I hope that this will uh, be a benefit to the to the audience. So with that being said, thanks again, and I hope you guys will join me on another podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hosting us. Well, there you have it. Um, I, you know, I... 
thanks for everybody that, that has kind of stuck it out that 40 minutes or so of, of that interview with the, with the panel. But again, I think, I think this is one of those that, you know, kind of really ranks up there, at least for me being able to have that conversation with, with everybody. But Greta, what's, what's some of the takeaways you, you have? So it's, it's funny because I actually, I felt like this was a really, really fascinating podcast. And I think that that is, that's one adjective I have not used yet. And there were a couple of reasons for that. So one is you said something before we went into the, the actual podcast portion of it. And it was, you know, the experience that for onsite team members, for regional managers, that they can potentially, you know, go into by, by joining a company or by being with a company, you know, or just by being in student housing and being, being able to possibly be a part of this experience. And I just kind of want to reiterate that for a couple of reasons. And it goes into one of the key takeaways that I had from this. Um, And it was really that it isn't just, yes, it's amazing. And, you know, everybody should be able to have that opportunity to live abroad, go, you know, travel abroad first off, but to live abroad and to really, you know, be able to completely immerse yourself in another culture, another environment, all of those things, right? That's an incredible life experience. But additionally, there was this whole part that just honestly just captured me. And I've talked a lot in podcasts about one of the things that I enjoy about listening to people speak is what happens to your brain and the ideas that can kind of start to go, you know, your brain will just start firing off in different directions. And that was one of the things that happened while I was listening about how when you're doing the market analysis in another country that you can't just go and tour other properties when you're doing this, that you have to, you know, fully you have to go to bars. Yes, you know, when she was in Wales and going and, you know, drinking with these, these students or, you know, whatever the case may be. And it's, we do that now. I mean, you know, you've been, you know, we've gone to do these market analysis together and, you know, really fully to use this word again, to immerse yourself in a market. And that's something to be done. And so there were two things that I thought about that. And one is what an incredible experience that is. And I was so excited by that thought of not of not if it just if it of it not just being another market right another american market where you're just going you know you have to tour the comps and you're going to go to the school and the university you're going to drive around town and right because we do the same thing every single time i've said that before like i go and i do the exact same thing every single time i go and then i i look at the same websites and i i gather all the same information and i have this all down to a system but to go someplace else where that system has to be thrown away and you have to do something entirely different Oh my gosh, like I can't even express to you like how excited I was by that thought process, by that possibility. Yeah. And so for from the perspective of being, you know, an on-site team member or any regional position or a marketing person and to gain that experience of you went someplace else and you did market analysis on a market where you couldn't just follow the standard format for doing this. Think about how that would make you think differently when you do a market analysis back in the States. Well, yeah, I mean, because, you know, and I could I could tell you that from my experiences this past summer, because there's, there's not a lot of differences between Canada and the U.S. as far as culture is concerned. But there's enough when you're talking about the way the universities oh, yeah. and colleges operate. 
and just kind of what's important to, to students that are in that demographic. And yeah, you know how it is. We could go to any tier one, tier two Southeast school in the U.S. And it's it doesn't take us that long. I mean, I feel like I'm almost to the point. Well, I was until I went to Canada. I felt like I could stick my nose up in the air when I when I landed somewhere and figure it out. And 90 percent of my initial assumptions were automatically true. And, uh, you know, going to, to Canada and going through that experience, that wasn't the case. Um, I learned some things pretty quick that I was like, oh, yeah, that's not going to work here. And, you know, that has, uh, you know, with one of the most recent, it wasn't a Southeast University, but was more of a Midwest University that I did a recent analysis on. And, you know, I, I went in a little bit more eyes wide open after what I experienced in Canada. So. Exactly. It's yeah. That's all. It was like I wished that I was there for that because that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask. Was you know it was like did this change or have you have you taken those lessons of you know how you had to approach these markets and trickled that down to the rest of your your marketing team and has has that changed how they approached their market analysis you know for the development team has that how has that changed how you you bring this information in. And so it just, that experience is, it's, it's, I just can't even like, I obviously it's, can't even it's, make it. It's unique. And, and yes. you know, like we said, there, there are folks that have got some really unique opportunities to help those companies that are, that are expanding, you know, be a part of that, that I think is going to pay off dividends, you know, for their career in this industry. So I would certainly suggest, I'm a big advocate for people who want to do that. And yeah, and I wish I could have done it. You know, I'm doing it a little bit now, but nowhere to, I mean, you know, four kids that are 13 to three, there's no way that, uh, you know, I could ever convince my wife, hey, let's, let's, let's go (laughs) move to Bogota for, you know, it's just not going to happen. So, so yeah, I think that's a a very unique opportunity for a lot of folks, but other takeaways. So, Yes, there were there were two others and they weren't they weren't as big, they weren't as they they weren't as gripping as that. It was really that <laughs> the other two were one I thought it was so interesting that and there I think there were more of things that we don't necessarily think about when we think about you know doing student housing overseas. And the first one was the the lack of systems, policies and procedures which just I, I'm like, you know how much those things matter to me. Like they are, I need them. I want them. I have to have them. If they don't exist, I will make them. And so it was like, as soon as that was said, I was like, oh, that's so necessary. You know, <laughs> it was like, yeah. those things have to be in place. You're doing everything off of Excel. Absolutely not. Like a system has to be there. But then also the thing that I thought was so interesting because it's so obvious, but it doesn't just immediately occur to you when you think about it which is that all of the systems, and so it was, you know, they talked about Entrada and having to think about the different currencies and the different languages 
and that this has to be, you know, that there's many that would have to all be included. And it's like, oh, well, duh. But you don't just immediately think about that when you're thinking about the fact that you're going to have to go someplace else. So it's like from the very beginning, there are so many things that are going to be so different and challenging and new than what you're used to. It isn't a matter of just saying we're going to take our product that we build all the time, these four walls with these amenities and go transplant it into another country because it isn't that simple. It isn't just, oh, we just have to find their university and slightly alter it to that student body and understand their, you know, their rental laws, you know, or whatever the housing laws, whatever the equivalency is. It isn't that. It isn't that at all. There's so much more. I love that. Yeah. The software part, you know, the property management system part of it, that is. That's huge. you know, and, and then we've kind of had our, gone through our own evolution. You mentioned Entrada and, you know, we've got, you know, there's been a big migration that has happened with most of the student housing operators in the country moving over to Entrada. And, you know, it's anybody can, will tell you. I'm, I totally stand. Well, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I, look, we've had both, you know, real page and Entrada sponsors of the program. So, but, you know, they'll be the first ones to tell you that I, I don't necessarily, you know, I want to tell them when they're when they're missing something. Right. And and, I, and I'll call them out on it. But this was one that I couldn't really call either of them out. But I think, you know, and try to kind of, you know, just it just really kind of doubled up on them because they've got, a, you know, they have a few clients that are trying to go out of the out of the country and. You know they're they're huge users here, and you know what what do they do? And I think Entrada has done um, a great job of of facilitating that. But I you know I can tell you from firsthand experience that it still has a lot of uh, kinks in it. You know as far as operating outside of uh, oh I'm sure outside of the U.S. And you know I can't tell you that about RealPage or Yardy or because I, I haven't used those systems outside of the U.S. But I have used Entrada. Uh, but I, you know, I can't, <laughs> got a lot of sympathy for them because I don't, I, I just can't imagine, uh, you know, just getting expense reports done, uh, <laughs> converting, <laughs> converting between, uh, you know, the Canadian dollar and the U.S. dollar was, I, I'm pretty sure someone still owes me money, but um, <laughs> oh my God. it's not because they didn't try, it was just because between my bank and, you know, the day that it happened, there's, there's definitely lost money there. So uh, anyway, so any other takeaways? No, those were, those were the key ones. It's, you know, the big, the biggest one, obviously that gripped me. And then the two that I thought were just really interesting tidbits. Well, guys, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to have this, this opportunity to go into interface and thanks again to, France Media and Rich Kelly and all the guys that, that put that conference on for allowing me to do this at the hotel. And I think it's uh, you know second year in a row that we've done it, and uh, we've already talked a little bit about some things to do at LeaseCon this year that's coming up in September. Exciting! And, um, yeah, yeah, really looking forward to it. So, any anything else we need to update our audience on? No, I think that's everything. Oh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Give them a little <laughs> bit of an update of how the beta with the SHI. I knew you were going to say that. So the beta is going really, really well. I am actually very, very excited uh, because we did just implement a member to member chat system. And so that was something that you knew that I really wanted to implement within the the SHI community. And so I did get that in place as of, was it yesterday? No, I think it was the day before. I feel like it was, so today's Monday. Yeah, because it was, it was either Friday night or Saturday sometime. You were texting me. and I, was I just like, remember it was late and because I, like, I couldn't stop. I was obsessing and like I do. <laughs> so I was very, very excited about that. So there is there is a, a messaging system that's inside of it where you can chat between other members. So I was really excited about that. And so it just continues throughout the month as, you know, as things come to me, as feedback comes back from our beta members, there will be constant ongoing updates throughout. And so who knows what it'll look like by the time it makes it to the public. Yeah. Maybe a completely different yeah. site. I mean, I don't know. So, <laughs> but it is so very I know we did this last week. You gave everybody kind of a navigation lesson on how they could sign up. You mind doing that one more time? Absolutely. So all you have to do is go to studenthousinginsight.com. That is the, the website. And in the upper right hand corner, there is a new link and it says member login. And you click that and it's going to take you to the member login page, as one would expect. And obviously you do not have a current login. And so instead you'll click the sign up button and a new screen will appear. And it will let you know that SHI community is currently doing a phased rollout and to go ahead and fill it out, which you can do. So put your first name, your last name, your company, your email address, and put in the password that you will like to use as soon as you are approved and click that submit button. And that will come through. I will receive it. We'll receive it. And then we can get you potentially approved as a new beta member. And you can hop in and see everything that we keep talking about, as well as see my new very exciting member chat system. Well, again, I know I said this last week, you've done an incredible job of, of uh, designing the whole thing and putting it together. Thanks again. You are the Waz. <laughs> I appreciate it. Hopefully everybody else likes it. <laughs> right. But I do love the Waz. Well, Greta, thanks again for um, <laughs> for having to do a, a late night chat session. On Zen- SHI, late night edition. <laughs> on uh, Zencaster. Zencaster is not a sponsor of this, but in case you are looking. I totally just went up to it like they were, though. Sponsored by Zencaster. But in case you are, we do need to talk about the sponsors real quick, but in case you are inter- interested in starting your own podcast, um, and you want to do really good recordings with those that you're interviewing online that's not going to be sitting in front of you, I do highly recommend Zencaster. It's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com. So, yeah, and, and you know, to be able to put this on an interface, it takes a lot of money to do it. <laughs> so uh, big thanks to our annual sponsors for our SHI summits that also – sponsored this event as well and Greta I do, as a matter of fact, because that's all I do is constantly have SHI stuff in front of me and and on my laptop at all times these days. So we have Carter Young, Euphorus, Transpar, Simple Bills, Stellar, South Park Interiors, Leap, Allbridge, and F3. Thank you. Yes, big thanks to, to you guys. 
If you want to find out more about our sponsors, please go to our website at studenthousinginsight.com and scroll all the way towards the bottom and you'll see links to them there. Greta, again, I appreciate it and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye.